Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed Welcome to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. Drug treatment centers are using rewards and incentives like gift cards to keep substance abusers sober. Critics say you shouldn't pay someone to stop using drugs, but advocates argue it works. In fact, research shows it's one of the most effective drug treatments out there. We'll talk to experts to learn more, and we get an update on the nursing shortage crisis. That's all next on Forum after this news. I'm Leslie McClurg, filling in for Nina Kim. Welcome to Forum. Rewarding someone to stay sober might sound counterintuitive, but in fact, it's a highly effective form of treatment that focuses on positive reinforcement. The VA has been using it successfully for the last decade. Finding effective drug treatments is critical right now. Since 2008, meth overdoses have increased by 500 percent in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom could sign a bill that would allow Medi-Cal to support an incentive drug treatment program statewide. The legislation had near unanimous support in both the Senate and the Assembly. Yesterday, I had a chance to speak to the bill's author, Senator Scott Weiner. He represents District 11, which includes San Francisco, Colma, and Daly City. So, Senator Weiner, you've authored a bill that would pay substance abusers to stay sober. I want to know, how does this work financially? How is it funded? This is a... A very effective strategy, contingency management. It's been proven over and over again by the VA, by the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, um, by other studies. And it's extremely cost effective. Um, it, it costs a few hundred dollars over a period of months for someone to go through this kind of program. It's dramatically cheaper than even one trip to the emergency room. Uh, so it's very, very cost effective. And it'll be funded in a couple of ways. Um, You'll have um, organizations like the San Francisco AIDS Foundation that will pay for it out of their various um, funds and grant programs. Uh, But we're also in this legislation authorizing Medi-Cal to cover uh, this uh, kind of uh, intervention. And Medi-Cal has already indicated that they are intending uh, to do so through a series of pilot programs. So there will be a number of different ways in which it can be funded. But again, this is not an expensive program at all. 
why are you leading this effort? What's driving you to support this? Well, for me, um, addiction is very personal in that my community in San Francisco has been so deeply impacted by meth in particular. And meth has not gotten enough focus. Uh, It's a huge crisis, not just in San Francisco, but elsewhere. And our approach to addiction and to drug use over the last 50 years has been a totally broken approach. It's been the war on drugs, just arrest people and incarcerate people and somehow they'll stop using drugs and stop getting addicted and stop overdosing. And we've seen that that has not happened. People are have not stopped using drugs. They're still using, they're still getting addicted. They're still dying from overdoses. And uh, we need to take a different approach and we need to try new strategies that are backed by science and evidence, which this approach is, and uh, move away from the law enforcement model. Uh, so that, that to me is why this matters so much. It matters to my community and it matters to the bro- our broader effort to, uh, to address this critically important issue. Well, thank you for highlighting it with us this morning. Thank you so much. That was my interview with Senator Scott Weiner. And now we'll learn a little bit more about how this program works. It's called Contingency Management. I'm now joined in studio by Wayne Rafis. He's the Contingency Management Program Manager at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Dr. Dominic DeFilippis, he's a clinical psychologist at the Philadelphia Center of Excellence in Substance Addiction and Treatment and Education. And Billy Lemon, he's the executive director of the Castro Country Club, a nonprofit focusing on supporting sobriety. Billy has gone through the contingency management program at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. And Billy, I want to hear a little bit of your backstory. When did you know you needed treatment? Oh, good morning. Um, so, I mean, I pretty, I pretty much knew early on when I, when I, when I was first introduced to methamphetamines in my early thirties, um, as a, as a newly out gay man living in San Francisco, that eventually it was going to be a problem. Um, I, I didn't really recognize that I needed treatment until after I had been arrested, um, probably my third time and uh, was facing a serious, um, was, sa- was facing some serious penalties. Can I ask what, and, you, were, what you were arrested for? Oh, uh, yeah, of course, absolutely. Uh, trafficking methamphetamine. So uh, I had um, a college degree that I had, um, that I had um, not used and had long forgotten about. Um, and, um, I, you know, at the time I was 42, um, I grew up in a small town in the, in the central Valley, um, in a, in a household that was Catholic. And so I grew up with this whole, um, this whole, um, shame identity around, uh, being gay and drugs helped alleviate, um, the shame of, of, of a society that I thought didn't want me and not having a community. So that's why I used, um, and, and eventually it, it all spiraled out of control. And when you say spiraled out of control, did you hit what you would call bottom? Oh, I, uh, absolutely. I tried to kill myself on Pier 23 in November of uh, 2013. And what other means? Did you try any other kinds of treatment or, or means to quit before you found no. it? No, not at all. Did, did you? No, I didn't. I was, um, I am, I guess what you would call one of the lucky ones. I had a, a one and done scenario, but I was willing. And by willing, 
I, I mean, I was willing to take the advice and offer anything that, that somebody was um, putting in front of me. Uh, and, and I, I tried it to the best of my ability and, um, prop or, uh, positive reinforcement opportunity project was one of those one of those carrots that was dangled in front of me to try and get sober. And prop is the name that the San Francisco AIDS Foundation uses for for this incentive program. So how and why did rewards work for you? Why was that the the kind of one and done trick for you? So I I think it was part of I think um, I think generally um, I I'm I'm the director of a program that that you know that they use the 12 step model as our main source of helping folks uh, get and stay sober. But I absolutely fundamentally believe that a harm reduction model is any tool that's available to you in the arsenal is something that can help you. And prop um, was one of those, was one of those tools. I think that for me personally, as a, as a stimulant, as somebody who was looking for stimulants, I had, I had become so, I had become so accustomed to dopamine um, and uh, the influxes of large amounts of dopamine that I, I was I was longing for somebody to just kind of like support me in my effort um, to kind of change my life. I had been to jail. Jail did not work, right? Uh, right. For me, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, it was not fun, uh, but it certainly didn't change my using patterns. This did. And dopamine is that drug that we get, that kind of feel-good drug that I think you get from meth. And maybe swapping that dopamine for the rewards was was kind of like an equivalent in in your brain circuitry system. I think it was, yeah, at the time. And also, if for me personally, I was, you know, I was forty-two. I went to rehab. I I I I enrolled in prop at the same time I went to a ninety-day inpatient rehab program. And uh, for someone uh, to say, hey. I care about you enough um, to give you a little bit of coin or to give you this gift card. If you just are willing to think about maybe um, changing your substance use to kind of um, uh, approach a more healthy lifestyle. Right. And that was for me, that was radical. That was absolutely radical for somebody to say that and care about me in that way. And when you say a little bit of coin, what did it look like? You went and they gave you what? So it looks like this. So basically for every clean, for every um, uh, test that you, for every positive test or positive, and by positive, I mean, you're um, not testing positive for methamphetamine, then um, you get a certain dollar amount and you can either um, let that dollar amount accrue. And I think it was, I, I may, maybe it was $7 a test um, every time it's, it's, I'm eight years sober now. So it's quite some time back, Congratulations. but uh, you could also, you could also thank you very much. Um, you could uh, it definitely takes a village. Uh, um, you could definitely let that money accrue over the 16 weeks that you were in the program. And what that what that did for me is it allowed me to uh, purchase my first cell phone after I got out of rehab because I went to rehab with a backpack and and the clothes I was wearing. You weren't living. So, you were living on the street. Um, I mean, ish. <laughs> there is a. There is an ish. We'll call it. Uh, we'll, we'll call it street adjacent. Uh, it was. Uh, I did certainly was not paying rent on my own apartment. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so it was a nice little. It was a. It was a yard marker or a milestone where you could say to yourself, "Huh, I did not think I could do this, and it looks like maybe I can." And I did that with, as Senator Weiner said, a very minimum investment. Um, the, the bar is very low, right? And it, it really, supportive care actually really works. And, uh, 
And so it, it really, it, it definitely put me on the right road. How much was it at the end of the day, money-wise, that got you out of your addiction? I mean, you're on a pier about to commit suicide. How much money got you to the other side? It was $300 at the time. And I, I, and I didn't even, you know, I didn't even use it until the very end of the 16 weeks. Um, and there, there is, there, there's no dollar amount that you can put on um, taking somebody who wants to end their life because they're in this, they're in, in such a dark space and then um, building their self-esteem over 16 weeks. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, most people I think take a whole, um, a holistic approach and lots of, lots of different methods to kind of help them get on the, get in the right spot. But 16 weeks in, I thought, wow, I'm a rock star. I can, I can, I can quit this. I can definitely make some changes to my lifestyle that I did not think I could make 16 weeks ago. And, and I, they did that, and they did it for $300. And each time you got one of those positive tests, did you get a hit of, like, you just called yourself a rock star? Yeah. Is that kind of how it felt? You were, like, on this kind of uphill ride out of your addiction? I would absolutely, that is exactly how I would characterize it. You would leave the room, you would go and test with your counselor, and the foundation, the AIDS Foundation, does a fantastic job of being cheerleaders for folks. Um, it's a, it's, it's, um, it, you can't put a dollar value on it, uh, and it, and it, it really made you feel good about yourself. And you, I, you just, for somebody who had spiraled in shame for so long, um, it was the elixir that um, I needed at that time gives me chills. Thank you so much, Billy, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Uh, Keep doing the good work. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me be of service. We're talking about a program that uses rewards, like you just heard about with Billy, to incentivize substance abusers to stay off drugs. Stay with us. Uh, We want to hear from you. Uh, Give us a call. Have you ever been in a program that uses rewards to address addiction? If so, give us a call at 1-866-733- 6786. That's 1-866-73-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Welcome back to Forum. Uh, We're talking about a program that uses rewards to incentivize substance abusers to stay off drugs uh, with Dominic DeFilippis. He's a clinical psychologist who leads the National Implementation of Contingency Management. This is a mouthful in VA settings. And Wayne Rafis, he's a Contingency Management Program Manager at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. And we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Maybe you've used a program like this, or maybe you have questions or concerns for our panel. Uh, Dom, tell me, how would this work at the VA? So if a patient comes in or someone who's been abusing drugs, how exactly would the program, what would it look like to walk a patient through this? Great. Yes. Uh, and thank you, Leslie. I, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And I, before even getting into CM, I want to pass along my congratulations to Billy and wish him continued success in his recovery. In terms of how CM works, uh, actually, uh, Billy spoke very eloquently about how it works. Uh, a patient uh, struggling with stimulant use disorder will come to the clinic twice a week and the schedule of visits on that, uh, uh, the, the, those twi- twice-weekly visits is based on the detection window for stimulants in urine. So we're going to make sure we take urine samples twice a week in such a way 
that the detection window for stimulants allows us to capture any episode of use in that one-week period, such that if the patient tests negative for stimulants on both samples, we can be very confident the patient has been abstinent. And if the either test is not negative for stimulants, we know that the patient used. On the days the patient tests negative for stimulants, we provide immediate reinforcement, a reward. And on the days the patient does not uh, test negative for stimulants, they do not receive rewards. And in addition, the amount of reward that the patient has escalated to because the, the size of the reward you get increases with consistent abstinence, with consecutive negative samples. Well, when you don't test negative, meaning you recently used, then you receive nothing that day and the amount of reinforcement you had escalated to resets back down to the lowest level. So what you see in CM really is more than just positive reinforcement, more than just reward. CM actually leverages four important learning principles to support recovery. It uses positive reinforcement to strengthen abstinence. It uses negative reinforcement to strengthen abstinence. In other words, I avoid the resetting of the size of my reward by maintaining my abstinence and I maintain the positive reinforcement. At the same time, the other two learning principles that CM brings to bear are extinction. When I am not abstinent, I receive nothing. And extinction is one of the optimal ways of eliminating a behavior. And then finally, there's that mild punisher that CM brings to bear. That is, when the patient does not test negative, i.e. when the patient has used stimulants, they have a resetting of that size of reinforcement. In other words, that unpleasant consequence of resetting the size of the reinforcement. So you got four learning principles, two strengthening abstinence, two weakening drug taking, and the key is the immediate reinforcement that we provide for abstinence. Well, I think it's fascinating because I have to admit, as a parent, I use those four principles all the time <laughs> with my children or with my child, I should say. And, and, you know, gyms use it to help us lose weight or help us get in better shape. And yet insurers are pretty against this program. So, Wayne, talk a little bit about the, the rub there in terms of getting people on board to support contingency management. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me this morning, and thank you to Dr. DeFilippis for really breaking down operating conditioning and how contingency management works. Um, I think it was previously mentioned the overdose deaths rates in San Francisco, particularly, well, specifically during the pandemic, is over 700, which is doubled what was the year before. Um, And we all know that methamphetamine use in San Francisco has skyrocketed. So when we're talking about substance use treatment and talking about supporting people to achieve their substance use goals, contingency management seems like the way to go. Right, right. And is it difficult to get people to kind of convince them that that it works? It's very challenging um, because I think some of the buzzwords out there are we're pain um, addicts um, to achieve sobriety, and that is so stigmatizing for people. It just brings up so many different issues. And one of the things that I tell folks is that folks have you have to do something to earn cash credits to get these incentives. Um, it's not a free for all. Um, so yeah, that's how I would kind of like um, message that to folks. And um, a lot, lot less into, expensive, right? A lot less expensive than someone ending up in the ER, ending up in jail. Exactly. Absolutely. 
Um, for our clients, it's challenging because a lot of our clients are dealing with or experiencing drug-related stigma. Um, I think um, Billy really spoke to and Scott Weiner spoke to the drug war that's out there and how it stigmatizes folks and beats folks down. And what we want to do in contingency management, specifically in the prop programs, to really build people up so that they can work on these really um, serious goals that they have, because these goals are not easy. Um, when we have conversations with our clients about what this program is and how it works, you kind of like almost see clients changing their mind about it. Um, because some folks are skeptical. They're like, hmm, I've tried drug treatment programs. I've been to court. My family has got on me and nothing has worked. Um, and to see someone come into our program and achieve their goals and some success um, is pretty amazing. And let's get some numbers. Dom, how many people have gone through your program at the VA? You've been there for 10 years. And, and how long then do folks typically stay sober afterwards? That's a great question. Uh, since we initiated C the national uh, implementation of CM and VA, we have served over 5,600 veterans uh, with contingency management. And those veterans have provided uh, roughly 73,000 urine samples as a part of their course of CM, and 92% of those samples have tested negative for the target drug, typically stimulants. Now, in terms of the long-term effects of CM, that's often been a key question because one of the typical critiques of CM or, or uh, concerns about CM is, oh, sure, it works, but as soon as you withdraw the rewards, the patient will go right back to using substances. Well, a recent uh, study published by colleagues at the University of Connecticut uh, showed that CM benefits in terms of enduring abstinence benefits verified by drug testing can endure up to a year after the reinforcement is discontinued. So it really uh, uh, disconfirms the idea that CM in some way would diminish internal motivation for recovery. Because if indeed the provision of external rewards by CM reduced the patient's internal motivation for recovery, then as soon as those rewards were withdrawn, the patient would return to substance use. And what we find is many patients show enduring benefits. And it's because CM, and, and this is what Billy really spoke to very eloquently, CM embraces the challenge that patients come to treatment oftentimes ambivalent about change. Why? Because substance use is so seductive. It provides powerful, immediate reinforcement, whereas recovery, its immediate consequences are often unpleasant. Withdrawal uh, symptoms, a clear-eyed view of the devastated landscape that is one's life. And what recovery says is, well, if you hang in there, things will get better. Well, Sam embraces that challenge and says, okay, we need to compete with the immediate rewards available from substance use. Let's make abstinence and recovery immediately reinforcing. So indeed, you can get that dopamine hit, as you referred to earlier. And the ambivalence often gives way to a sense of mastery. As, as Billy talked about, at first he wasn't sure he could even succeed. And then he identified himself as a rock star in his recovery, in no small part because of the success he had in CM. Well, let's go to a caller. Uh, Chris in San Francisco, you're on the air. Hi. This sounds like a, a great entree to recovery. I actually work in substance use dependency. 
But I'm wondering how you address people's difficulties in living in a comprehensive way, get them connected to permanent housing, good employment, health care, addressing them holistically, ultimately. Dom, can you respond there? Yes, it's an excellent question. And I think one of the great ancillary benefits of CM is that when you're reinforcing the patient's abstinence, you're getting de facto reinforcement of their retention and treatment. So the CM is promoting a continued contact with the care system. So these other psychosocial challenges that the patient might be experiencing can be addressed so that vocational services and housing services, additional psychiatric treatments can be brought to bear while the CM maintains that immediate reinforcement, that immediate benefit of pursuing those recovery activities. And I'm curious, over the course of, say, the 12 or 16-week program, are, are they also in some kind of counseling to, you know, kind of build intrinsic motivation, you know, say the desire to be healthier, to have a family that's, you know, working or a job that they're committed to and that they're going to, rather than just depend on these sort of extrinsic rewards? It's a good question. Yes, typically CM is adjunctive to other substance use disorder treatment uh, so that both the CM and those other treatments work in combination. The other treatments, as you point out, can help evoke additional motivations for recovery, can provide skills development training for the patient to support their mastery efforts at abstinence. And meanwhile, the CM is providing that immediate reinforcement that also bolsters the patient's sense of mastery of his or her ability to be successful in recovery. Wayne, I'm curious, Stacy writes a pretty good question here. Does CM have an app format or something similar, you know, to motivate folks, you know, say with rewards or points, that kind of thing? Does anything like that exist? Um, well, when folks come into, the, that's a really good question. And first, I want to say Dr. DePhillip has really broke down um, how we really work with people. We do a psychosocial assessment when they come in and we really try to help them in the five domains of their life to improve. Um, folks can come in three times a week and they earn cash credits. Um, on their third visit, they get a bonus. Um, so that's how we kind of like monitor um, in a linear way what folks are earning and that acts as a motivator for them. I think the other motivator is when folks come in and they deliver a urine test without amphetamines, methamphetamine or cocaine in it. In it. Um, it builds up their motivation, their intrinsic motivation that the doctor was speaking to. And it also builds up their self-esteem to work on some of these larger goals that they have. Maybe it's housing. Maybe it's improving their mental health. Maybe it's finding gainful employment. We want to hear from you, um, listeners out there. Have you been in a program that uses rewards to address addiction, or maybe you've been in a different kind of treatment program that has worked for you, or maybe this would have worked for you? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email the old-fashioned way. Your questions can go to forum at kqed.org. Wayne, I'm curious, is there a ideal patient that this works for? I'm guessing it's not going to be ideal for someone with a lot of means. Um, well, we actually have two programs at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. 
Um, we have a Prop for All program that works with the LGBTQIA plus community at our Shred location and at our 1035 location. Last year, we expanded this, year before last, two years ago, we expanded this program to work with folks um, at the Sixth Street Harm Reduction Centers, people um, injecting drugs and people smoking drugs who have much more acute needs. Um, and we thought that, so we had to be a little bit more creative in how we implemented this program. So prior to the pandemic, we had a lounge for folks to come in and that lounge was really set up in a way that centered people first. Um, and what I mean by that is we don't use language like addicts or dirty drug tests um, because we're really trying to build folks up. Art therapy was available and we would provide food because a lot of the clients accessing services at the Sixth Street Home Reduction Center were either marginally housed, street adjacent like um, the Billy was saying, or folks were literally sleeping on the street. And what we found is that folks really embraced a low barrier, low access way that we invited them into services. Um, it's really fascinating that last year we um, had 21 people successfully complete the program. Wow. Um, nine of those folks found employment, which was super exciting. And six of those folks were able to find some form of housing. Um, so it's really, I think it's really based on a person's motivation for change and their determination to change their life circumstances. Well, let's go to Jennifer in San Jose. Jennifer, you're on the air. Hi. My 16-year-old daughter got out of rehab in July, and I'd heard about this technique. I refer to it as the fishbowl technique because I have her stick her hand in a fishbowl. Um, she was a pot addict. She wasn't a, a meth addict, but she's a, she loves – she's the queen of instant gratification, and she loves treats, and I thought this might help. And now, in addition to going to meetings uh, and getting therapy, she asks weekly if she can take a test and get a treat. And I don't, I don't believe that this will keep her sober, but I'm sober as well. And I think part of sobriety is simply changing habits or building new habits, creating new groups to override the old ones. And so far, she's got over 100 days sober, and she's doing really well, and I'll keep doing this for a while. Well, congratulations to your daughter. I'm curious, what kind of treats do you put in the fishbowl that she can, can scoop out? So there are smaller ones like a coffee or a hamburger, and then one of them that she pulled out last night was false eyelashes because she loves those. And I thought we'd just go to CVS, but we ended up going to Ulta, and I spent 30 bucks on false eyelashes. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a bit of a bonding experience then also between you and your daughter, maybe, instead of turning something that's probably, I imagine, a pretty challenging topic to address. I think had I not... Uh, couched it in this way, she'd be like, no way, you can't test me. I mean, that would, that would have been something very intrusive. But I said it in such a way that like, hey, this will be fun and you'll get a treat after. And she's super into it. Excellent. Well, congratulations again to your daughter. I hope it continues to go well. Dom, I I'm curious if you could maybe share, is there is there a success story, you know, similar to what we just heard, kind of a unique way that this is working that you've seen over the years? 
Oh, absolutely. And in fact, one of the ways that we promoted uh, an increased enthusiasm in VA for the implementation of CM was to share de-identified success stories of veterans who had participated. And I was delighted to hear the caller uh, talk about using the fishbowl method, which in the literature is known as prize contingency management. It was a model of contingency management developed by the late, great Dr. Nancy Petrie from the University of Connecticut, who was a giant in behavioral science. In fact, we used the prize CM method in uh, VA's implementation. And I also want to speak and, and note uh, uh, and endorse uh, Wayne's point about using CM and those encounters to engage in recovery supportive language rather than stigmatizing language, not referring to patients as addicts, for example, or as test results as clean and dirty. And in fact, one of the success stories I, I'd like to share with you. Uh, share it quick. We got about 30 seconds. Speaks real. I'll speak real quickly. Patient out in uh, in CM, very angry about starting CM, felt embarrassed and humiliated about having to quote pee in a cup for another adult. Well, after being in CM and being successful, he found himself racing through traffic, running down the hall to grab a CM provider so he could provide those urine samples and get the reinforcement. It literally changed the culture of treatment in this patient's mind from persecutory, confrontational to supportive and reinforcing. Wow. Well, thank you to our guests, Wayne Rafis and Dr. Dominic DeFilippis and Billy Lemon. Next up, California's nursing shortage. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.